0: Oklahoma State win a conference championship if you score in all likelihood. And perhaps
1: the CFP. Jackson tried to turn the
0: corner and he
1: did not get there. Darren McVay raced him to the pile out and made sure he came up inches short. Fourth and goal. Twelfth play of the drive. Hasty is in.
0: Incomplete! The game hinges on one play. Jackson flings it. Andrews can't get to it. Could not reel it in. Incomplete! Minus three with Dave Damoschek.
2: Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to Minus 3, presented as always by FanDuel. Make sure you bet along with us or fade us. Either way, we aren't choosy. Do it at FanDuel.com slash minus three. It's the word minus the number three. And follow all the fun on social media at minus three pod and play along with us, against us, in our various pick'em games every week for you. ExtraPoints.com slash arcade... Sal, me, and now Harry has jumped into the lead in the season NFL pick em total. There's uh, college football still to be had there. Bowl season is nigh. Upcoming here, very excited for this conversation as we project beyond the 2021 pro football season and look ahead to free agency and otherwise. One of the very best in the business. Brad Spielberger from OverTheCap.com and Pro Football Focus is going to join us to help make sense of some of the big-name quarterback and otherwise that are going to be out there to be had for QB needy teams in pro football this spring when free agency gets going, or is it better to go through the draft to get some of the quarterbacks out there, whether it's Desmond Ritter or Kenny Pickett or Matt Corral or any of the other names out there? We'll get into all that with Brad in the meantime, specifically to you, Eddie Spaghetti but to all Notre Dame fans, we all became Irish fans for at least one week when Brian Kelly departed in the fashion he did. It's fine for a head coach to leave his student-athletes and go to somewhere that he perceives to be greener pastures. It's the it's the nature of how Brian Kelly did it. It made us all want to see Notre Dame get to the playoffs. Unfortunately, the evil empire of college football, Alabama took care of business once again. They beat Georgia. They're the number one seed now. Georgia now gets to play Michigan. Bama catches Cincy. Um, I'm sorry, Eddie Spaghetti. You came close, though. If Georgia, as it turned out, the way Championship Saturday broke, had Georgia beaten Bama, the Irish would have been one of those final four teams. And I am not ashamed to say for for just this once, I would have been happy to see it.
1: It would have been a fun story, especially with naming Marcus Freeman, head coach, retaining timing Rees. But I'm not super upset because, again, I've had the mindset coming into the season. It was more of a rebuild year anyway. They were supposed to lose a few games. And it, it was a really, you know, Brian Kelly did leave in an atrocious way, but he did a really good job coaching them up this year uh, for whatever part he had. I know obviously they had some really strong coordinators, but uh, Kyle Hampton their best player, is still hurt. He may not come back. So like if they got in. And if Georgia did win that game, and it would be another scenario of Notre Dame being the four, Georgia being the one, and then they would just you know crush them, and then people were like, "Why are you putting Notre Dame in?" Which also kind of is like why I'm not super into the whole expansion thing because. If you could barely get a four seed, who's that good? You don't really need six. You don't really need That's eight. my point, but Spaghetti.
2: You're si- preaching to the choir now. Like, once you're the fifth or seventh team, you have no claim to be in the best team in the land. You shouldn't be in the tournament. Though.
1: But what I will say, though, of how things played out, with the four seed, uh, you know, I think this is the, the one year we may see a four-beat-a-one. I'm not I'm not super high on Alabama, and I, I think they are a flawed team. Obviously, the, the injury to Mechie is not great, and you brought up Ritter before. You have a, you know, a lethal quarterback dual our quarterback versus an Alabama defense, which is not what it's been in years past. Um, that could be a really fun, high-scoring game, and I think the two-versus-three matchup is going to be a classic. Uh, who knows? I mean, Michigan, I, I didn't really think they're going to be a dynamic passing team. Uh, I thought it'd be a str- the struggle versus Iowa, a really good defensive team. And they scored a bunch of points versus them. Not really sure. Uh, you know, people are kind of souring on George. I still think George is a dominant team. I still think they're the best team in the four. And I think they may have just not played their best game, knowing that they're already in the playoffs. So why try hard or why, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the, the, the coaches meetings were and the, if they wanted to not show all their playbook uh, waiting for the, the, the CFP, maybe that was went on who knows. But uh, I still think Georgia's is damn good, and it's going to be a, a fun four. This is the first year that I think that we could see some craziness in the in the four.
2: I think May, uh, Mechie is a big loss, and I put the asterisk next to it because I always point out if you're one of those very high end, if you're one of those four or six teams, and there are only four or six of them in all of college football America. But if you're Alabama, the idea that like well Mech- Mechie's down that that hurts their team. Yeah, they're they're four deep, five deep at every position. So it's not as big a loss. But he is their best pass catcher. So that's got to ding him a little bit. Bama, though, still laying 14 to Cincy. Look how we've grown, you and me, Eddie Spaghetti, over this college football season. Here we are early December. I was rooting for Notre Dame this past weekend. And you're at least floating the idea that the Bearcats might knock off Alabama—that's personal growth from both you and me. You usually like the juggernauts and turn your nose up at Cincy. and here you are saying that maybe uh, Cincy might knock them. Yeah, off I
1: mean, I, I think it's a lot of points they're 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 uh, giving, but I, I think Cincinnati definitely proved me wrong that they were they were pretty strong throughout. I mean, the Houston matchup was not a, an easy game by any stretch, and they, and they played extremely well. Uh, you know, they had a, a brief lull midseason, but they 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 finished. Pretty strong. And obviously, uh, Desmond Ritter is a great player. I have other great players in the team, too. But it, 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 I, like I said a few times, like Alabama, and yeah, I did pick Alabama to win the, the championship in our extra points uh, futures uh, pool. And I did have Bryce Young to win the Heisman, So I am pro Alabama. I know that, I mean, they're still the best recruiting team. I mean, out of all the college football playoff games, like the current head coaches, I think Nick Saban has like eight wins, Dabo Sweeney has six, and then a bunch of coaches have like one or two. Like they clearly are, do- they dominate this. They This is the time of year they come alive and they dominate these games. And but I, I think this is a team that's not as as strong as years past. I still think Georgia is the best team, so there is a chance they would beat uh, they they could beat Alabama. And I think if if you know Michigan was the four, they'd have a great shot. And I think if Notre Dame was in too, if they got in somehow, I think they'd have a pretty good chance too because Notre Dame has been playing better of late. So I think that all the games should be good. But this is the first really legitimate year I could see a four beating a one.
2: Well, that would certainly be juicy stuff. It's a dynamite classic matchup: Georgia, Michigan. The uniforms on down. Dogs giving nine in that one. I think the better value is if you like Georgia bouncing back and winning the national championship is to bet them twice. Bet them to beat Michigan, and then bet them to beat. I we assume. Bam. I you know I hear your noise on Cincy. Uh, meantime, Bryce Young's a virtual lock to get the Heisman. I think Kenny Pickett did enough once again to get to New York City as a finalist. Aiden. Hutchinson, too. They will probably see them on Saturday in the NFL. I still like the Chargers. Believe it or not, I saw Sunday Night Football. That offense for KC is still not rolling. The defense, I don't know. They have some nice pieces there, but how it's rounded into being borderline dominant for the last month, if that's sustainable, I don't know. I like the Chargers. To still win the West, that was a tough spot that they went into in Cincinnati. Bet them at plus 190 to win the AFC West. Speaking of the Bengals, I like them to win the North at plus 270. And before we get to Brad Spielberger, as far as that goes, I'll just keep saying it. The number one seed in the AFC is everything. Imagine if, uh, based on what we've seen, the body of work from all these AFC uh, teams, do you think any of them is capable can you would you put a lot of uh, a lot of the money in your bank account? Would you bet a digit off of one of your hands that any of these teams that we've seen over the course of 13 weeks is capable of reeling off th- three straight wins? I am skeptical of that. So whoever has to only play two, games and both of them at home that team just uh, seems pretty straightforward has to be a heavy favorite given the way the afc has looked week in and week out nfc what to make about that conference all these juggernaut teams and still the best among them the arizona cardinals as i keep saying the least talked about juggernaut that i've ever seen 13 weeks through an fnl season they're the only team that has two losses and yet very few people continue to talk about kyler murray and company uh I think a fraud. One thing I keep talking about is the Ravens. I think that you saw why I've been saying that for so long about that team. Lamar Jackson is what makes him go. It's a mediocre roster overall, but... A bad interception in the first half. The thing people are missing with Lamar Jackson coming down the stretch against the Steelers in Heinz Field there was, yes, he misses Mark Andrews on the two-point conversion. You could give some credit to T.J. Watt for holding contain there and not being duped um, and made it a tougher throw than it was but Lamar Jackson earlier in that drive fumbled the ball it rolled out of bounds if that one gets fallen on by a stealer I think we're having a very different conversation about Lamar Jackson not to say that the Ravens don't ultimately resign him this offseason and make him a 40 millionaire um annually but The questions about Lamar Jackson and the turnovers, I understand he's much better than Danny Dimes or Sam Darnold um, turnover machines. But still, I feel like he, that, that there's a ceiling on a team that has Lamar Jackson as their quarterback. And we saw that once again against a decent Pittsburgh Steelers team. Not obviously a great one. And as far as the Steelers are concerned, let me say this to you after this weekend nay the last two weekends long live rivalries as we approach army navy this saturday last saturday college football's two best rivalries and i mean best in terms of influence on the national championship year in and year out both games loomed large i'm talking about michigan and ohio state bam and auburn two gems two iconic games for the great rivalries and then This past Sunday, it was Niners and Seahawks, Steelers and Ravens. We live in an age of parity. Not coincidentally, that's because it's what the leagues and their network partners want to have happen. But every game is not equal, no matter how much people try to sell you on that. In fact, if I may steal from the SEC's marketing department, rivalries just mean more. Uh, Every team is going to end up disappointed save one And that is probably going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Let's acknowledge the unpleasant, unavoidable truths. Tom Brady is going to win the Super Bowl again and again and again. And then at some point, the sun is going to burn out and it'll all be over. But in the meantime, let's enjoy big wins for our favorite teams along the way. And beating your rival is always big. It's always more important. It always means more. Always. With all due respect to to Mike Tomlin, who talks in platitudes about his team facing nameless gray faces every week. Beating that Ravens team the week after an embarrassing loss to Cincy, which led to lots of people getting hyperbolic and histrionic about whether Tomlin should be allowed to still coach the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger hurting his ch- his team's chances of winning and music being played at practice and a whole bunch of other hooey and applesauce. That win on Sunday in, Hi- in Heinz Field, in fact, does mean more. Same goes for Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. They may not go to the playoffs, but in a raw and misty early evening in Seattle where Richard Sherman knocked the ball away from Michael Crabtree not that long ago. And yet, on the other hand, what feels like an eternity ago, the Hawks dented their arch rival Niners playoff chances. And in doing so, maybe they gave the Loyal 12s one last spellbinding chapter in the book of the 21st century mighty Seattle Seahawks. I have a nice life. Thanks to my wife. My four kids, I get to see the golden hour light of Southern California every day. As you can plainly see, I have a nice collection of flannel shirts. But for better or worse, my mood swings on how the teams I root for rise and fall. And another iconic win coming down to one last play at the goal line, as it has again and again. And again, it does matter more. For all the snark and all the negativity, we got to look at greatness on Sunday. Maybe the last glimpse for that guy, number seven, I'm glad it came for him with all the heat, all the negativity that he rose up one last time. And for Pittsburgh Steelers fans who've stayed loyal to the black and gold, that was a special moment. If it was the last one, I tip my imaginary cap to you, number seven. Glorious stuff on your way to the Hall of Fame. Now, before we get to Brad Spielberger, as I talk about, the NFL playoffs are almost here. And to help you stay on top of the action, FanDuel Sportsbook is giving you a $10 bonus when you place $20 in same game parlay bets, bet on a single game or spread your bets out across multiple matchups, it's up to you. As long as you bet 20 bucks in same-game parlays during the same week of NFL action, you're getting a $10 bonus. We can look at the Thursday night game, and that is the Pittsburgh Steelers, at the Minnesota Vikings. Do you like Roethlisberger to keep on humming? I don't know. I don't think that's as dependable as his primary pass catcher is. Deontay Johnson getting a ton of targets, bet the over in pass yards, uh, re- pass receiving yards for De- Deontay Johnson. I suspect that this one goes a little low, um, goes under the total there. I, I, I don't have it in me to pick for or against the Steelers at this point for the reason I just uh, explained there, Eddie Spaghetti. So you tell us. Who's winning that game?
1: I guess I'm going to ride with the Steelers. I mean, I have been uh, There you go, fella. I, I picked them this week uh, over over the uh, the Ravens and the Vikings are I, I think the Chargers, maybe I'll, I'll stop making fun of them. I think I, I do believe in the Chargers more, but the Vikings and Chargers were like the two teams, one AFC, one NFC that can never buy into completely. The Vikings make no sense. They gave the Lions their first win. Uh, ben Roethlisberger still right now a better quarterback, a more consistent quarterback than Kirk Cousins. And as long as they stop down the, you know, what Justin Jefferson could do, I think the Steelers could win this game uh, on the ground, especially. So I, I'm liking the, the Steelers in this uh, TNF matchup.
2: Yeah, even without Joe Hayden, they do a nice job um, in scheme of taking away the number one option of the other team. And so Justin Jefferson, if they lose, probably isn't the reason that they lose the game. But he is uh, electric, of course. Make sure one way or the other that you bet along with us at FanDuel Sportsbook. Fast payouts, easy to use, dynamite stuff like same game parlays. These are the reasons that FanDuel is America's number one sports book. And like I say, do it with your pals here at minus three. FanDuel.com/slash-minus-three. It's the word minus, the number three. That's how you do it. And we'll see you in the winter circle, or maybe we won't. Quickly, let's fit in a break. Very excited about this. I began kibitzing with him. I slid into his DMs, and I'm not ashamed to tell you that because it's no secret to anybody who's listened to me for any amount of time that math is not my strong suit. So I lean on the likes of Brad Spielberger. You know him from over the cap. Make sure it is the go-to reference for any questions you may have about how committed to this particular player is blank team for pretty much everything, and specifically, it's always fascinating for a, a, a pro football fan. Also, on PFF, he is uh, one of the great voices there for uh, for a, a lot of people's go-to for a lot of matters when it comes to pro football. It's Brad Spielberger. How are you, pally?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Although you you mentioned that the the Steelers control your mood and uh, I'm a Bears fan. So, you know, I I would take that with a a grain of salt, but I'm doing great otherwise. Well, I mean,
2: how are you right now as a Bears fan? Do you
0: feel (laughs) optimistic? Do you think that
2: Justin Fields is because the thing I always say to people is as we jump into this sports most important position, no surprise to you that we're going to talk about how tethered some pro football teams are to their incumbent QB and whether or not they might be better off to go in to the college football option or look at some of these big name free agents out there. But the, only, the thing I always caution everybody against in our era of full QB sat- saturation, which is to say there are now more good quarterbacks than there are available slots in pro football, is don't commit to the wrong guy. Now the Bears have drafted Justin Fields this deep into the season. How do you feel about him?
0: No, I think I've seen a lot of positives. I I think he's grown a lot um, from the particular issues that folks pointed out, particularly he takes forever to get rid of the ball. He's kind of looking for a home run on every snap. And I think even in that Pittsburgh game, you saw that he, he went away from that. He was willing to check the ball down when it was appropriate. I think more so, though, the fact that there's not a great class coming out of college makes you feel a bit better about it as well. It's
2: funny you say that because that is something people have continually mentioned, that this is a down group of quarterbacks compared to the last two, three, four years. But of course, The Mahomes class with Deshaun Watson and Trubisky, that's two of three, I think we can rightly say, that are are quarterbacks that have been good, but Deshaun Watson now out to sea. Let's start there with the conversation. Deshaun Watson, where is he in 2022? I don't know how much of a legal crystal ball you have, and it's ugly stuff to try and work around here, but is Deshaun Watson a starting quarterback for a pro football team in September of 2022, and where is it if so?
0: I think he is. And I think it's between Miami and Carolina. We've obviously seen how erratic the Panthers are and that they are willing to just churn the roster and just keep adding quarterbacks until they find someone. So they're an obvious choice. And then Miami, yes, on a five-game win streak, and, and Tua has put up good numbers. Um, but I saw he already leads the NFL in passing yards from RPOs, even though he's missed five games. So they're they're you know, they're running a, a very simple offense and, and and Deshaun Watson does things that Tua Tagovailoa cannot do. It is a funny hyper specific
2: statistic that has emerged everywhere on social media at least is two is numbers in RPOs as a justification and by the way I do think for what it matters if you if you skew more um away from that statistic and more into the human side of things man that guy for all the Deshaun Watson rumors and like wait hey uh, Dolphs hey coach Flores are you really want Watts? I mean I'm here. I'm I'm still here and you are pining for this guy who's got all sorts of troubles and you'd still rather deal with that than than try to make me work. I think he's kind of risen to the occasion and that's not a given. Everybody who gets challenged by somebody else or outside noise doesn't rise to the occasion. I think there's something to be said at least for for the kid um you know getting hot relatively speaking here and and playing his best football
0: since all this Watson noise began, right? I mean, the fact that the Miami Dolphins owner, Steven Ross, was able to facilitate a conversation with another team's like quarterback on the roster, it, it's, it's unheard of. Um, I'm with you. Good for him for, for handling the adversity well and, and rising to the occasion instead of letting it kind of get him down. Um, you know, the, the mental fortitude matters at that position. And also, you know, Tua
2: remains on his rookie deal, and that's uh, something that I and a lot of people point to um, as the sweet spot. If, again... Justin Fields or otherwise the sweet spot is to not just draft a guy you hope turns into your franchise QB but a guy who actually lives up to those hopes a guy who can actually carry your team to some degree who can cover up the warts and all on the rest of the roster there and without consuming too much of the salary cap that's why it is the sweet spot there the numbers are inarguable even the very best this side of Tom Brady Once you get that big time second contract, it does diminish the depth of the roster, of course. So you really better be able to cover up, like I say, a lot of the uh, the failings around the rest of the football team Tua would still be on his rookie deal if the Dolphins do get him. Is Houston a good landing spot potentially for him? Where else might Tua go? I mean, if you're, if, if we're gonna play the dominoes game here of if if Deshaun Watson falls in Miami, where then does Tua land?
0: You know, I think an interesting team could be Washington. You know, I think Taylor Heineke has shown some you know good play here and there, but. Probably not going to be a franchise quarterback. And, and they also have weapons. A guy like a Curtis Samuel, who's a you know yards after the catch type of guy. Uh, I like Scott Turner. Their offensive coordinator is very creative, likes to attack de- uh, defenses laterally as much as he does vertically. So I think they'd be a good fit. And I think they're a team where you got to make a move at quarterback. You cannot go into a third season coming off potentially two playoff runs without a franchise quarterback.
2: The AFC North strikes me as a really compelling spot where quarterbacks are concerned here because Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield, who kind of have their trajectories um, side-by-side, look pretty different, obviously, where Baltimore stands versus where the Browns stand. Spoiler alert, don't sleep on the Browns just yet. If they get red hot, they can still win a division um, comprised of four... Pretty good, but not great teams. Then again, that kind of defines the entire AFC. Let's start with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. It seems sure that they're going to lock him up, from a marketing standpoint at least. Imagine if you let this all-time electric, distinct talent walk out the door and go elsewhere. They're, the Ravens are certainly not going to do that. I, and I'm not, I, I'm not trying to play cynic um, because I root for another AFC North team. I often compare Lamar Jackson... And uh, by saying that when people compare him to, he's not uh, like chili isn't a soup. It's something better than that. It's its own thing. Lamar Jackson is not really comparable to any talent I've ever seen in the NFL. I think the compare, the one I always make is he's more like Tom Glavin or Greg Maddox. What Lamar Jackson does great is makes just enough plays to beat the Browns in November. But that won't work for two games, let alone three games in the AFC playoffs against good teams, enough that you get to and win a Super Bowl. So I feel like they're kind of jammed up there. It, do, do, do you agree with that? And if I'm right that you agree, if he's going to get a $40-plus plus million dollar deal, that's going to ding the roster. So Lamar Jackson has much like Patrick Mahomes is currently on the has already played on the best roster he's ever going to play on. True or false?
0: I think that is, you know, undisputably true. It's going to be hard to bring in as many players as they have while he was on the rookie deal, like you mentioned, they had the hot the most expensive defense in the NFL last year. And that was obviously to counter what Lamar Jackson does. But I do think the interesting thing about his unique skill set is I'll tell you, a lot of people in Baltimore thought they got a great deal when they traded Orlando Brown Jr. to the Kansas City Chiefs. And he's probably going to go ahead and sign for $20 million per year himself. So you save that. It enables you to spend elsewhere. You've obviously been drafting very well. I mean, Odafe Oway looks like a great edge rusher now. Rashad Bateman coming along at wide receiver. So, yes, the rookie contract quarterback is the most important. But, hey, if you have a premier edge rusher and a premier wide receiver on rookie deals, that, that helps a lot as well. As again, here, like I say again, my math makes my brain go
2: fuzzy, so I'll lean on you. Is it in fact is it reality or is it a myth at this point, as th- this year notwithstanding, because of COVID and everything, as the cap goes up each year, it is the amount that the, the QBs are getting paid, does it in fact diminish the roster significantly, or is that something that was truer, say, six or eight years ago than it is
0: right now? I think it's a, it's a myth and I frankly with all due respect to them I think it's what fire gms like to point to once they get fired for not doing a good job of of facilitating the rest of the roster and what I say is the margins get slimmer. You know, you you can make fewer errors. You can't go out and make some big splash signing in free agency that goes poorly because then you, like you said, your depth is going to suffer and and things of that nature. You also can't, you know, trade up in the draft a bunch and not make a lot of picks each year. So I think it just makes things more difficult. But End of the day, as oversimplified as it sounds, you just can't pay the wrong quarterback. I mean, we're looking at the Seahawks now, but Russell Wilson's been one of the highest-paid quarterbacks for four or five years now, and they were winning ten games a year every single year. The problem is they haven't had a good first-round draft pick in in five plus years, so it just you can't afford that because then it becomes too difficult. Boy, we 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 park our cars
2: in the same garage. It sounds like largely here, yeah. I mean, the, as the as the Rams recognized and to their credit kind of moved on from Jared Goff. You can just because you decide to pay a guy to be a franchise QB does not magically imbue him with the powers to actually be that guy. They learned that lesson. Will the Cleveland Browns make that I I mean it stands as a mistake now as far as I'm concerned because um pretty strong <laughs> argument can be can be made that that's the best roster in the AFC. Um, with the Cleveland Browns. And, you know, I do legitimately feel bad for for bake because I like the swagger, what that does for a chip on its chip on its shoulder football town like Cleveland. Um, And uh, the way he comports himself does does matter. But winning matters more. And you know, the injury and everything else, as I keep saying, best for the team might have been for him to for him to Wally Pip himself and say, based on how, where I am physically, we're better off with the backup. That, get, But of course, that then would put him into the abyss in terms of free agency and whether or not he's worthy of a contract. If Case Keenum reels off a bunch of wins, where does that leave Baker Mayfield? Where is Baker Mayfield this offseason? Do you... Suppose, are the Browns going to keep him? And if not, is he a backup somewhere in 2022?
0: Yeah, so his situation is fascinating for a couple reasons. I think first, as much as you don't want to make football decisions based on things like this, it's got to be pretty hard to go to the Cleveland Browns fan base and say, hey, you know, this guy is good but not great, so we're going to try to find a great guy when in their minds they're like, we haven't even had good in my entire lifetime. And I think the second factor is Andrew Berry, their general manager, did not draft Baker Mayfield. So there's not that kind of connection where you make yourself as a GM look good because you extended the guy that you took. There's not kind of that that influence there. I don't see how they can pay Baker Mayfield this offseason. I I frankly think, I get he's injured, I get all of that, but as you said, I think they have one of the best rosters, if not the best roster in football, and he just has not been good. Um, I think you let the rookie contract play out, you let the fifth-year option happen, you maybe even explore franchise tags like a Kirk Cousins. I mean, look, Washington kind of looks smart now in retrospect. Kirk Cousins can win you games like we talked about. On a rookie contract, he's great. When you're paying him $30 million per year, he's not going to carry your football team. So I think it's a tough decision. And if I'm them, I am not extending him this offseason.
2: I mean, that that really is fascinating in the, in the narrative, uh, fr- fr- from the side of where the narrative got to in the last two years and stuff. And I'm not just talking about, but legitimately, all the national ad campaigns built around Baker Mayfield. I can't really think of... In any sport, anybody who had so much built up around him in a short amount of time that is going to maybe, you know, six months from now look kind of like, hey, Home Depot, are you going to renew the Baker Mayfield ads if he's the backup in, uh, in some football town? Likely no. By the way, as far as the nuance of what you said earlier about, like, you know, if you commit to a quarterback with the big second contract, then you better not screw up your draft picks. That is a, everybody's going to screw up their draft picks. The teams that do it well hit a little bit less than sixty percent on all sixty uh, percent on all their draft picks. And in a murky college football class, I happen to like Matt Corral more than I than I gather most people do. People have really gotten in on Kenny Pickett here. I think Des Ryder is interesting. I think there are a lot of uh. uh Uh, Des Ritter but a a, a lot of there's some interesting guys Sam Howell and otherwise I think the more dependable option if you can afford it is to go after Russell Wilson am I right in assuming that Peyton Manning the free agency thing that really kind of opened up a whole world of uh, a a dawn of a new era in pro football as far as I can tell because Really, you didn't see very many. You, you don't often see big-name free agent QBs hitting the market and a lot of players going after him and otherwise. But now I think Aaron Rodgers could be in play. I still don't know that. Uh, let, let's go through them one by one because I think Derek Carr is, a, is an interesting option. Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan maybe. Where does Jimmy G land? So on in Baker Mayfield, as we say. Let's start with Russell Wilson. Do you suppose, am I right in assuming it's done in Seattle with him or is there some chance that they retain
0: him and move forward in 2022 Mm -hmm. in Seattle? I think it's all but done. I mean, you quickly, you, you mentioned how you can learn from contracts what teams think about players. A perfect example was this past offseason, Seattle was in a cap crunch, and they restructured every single contract on the roster except for Russell Wilson's. And it's because if you leave the window to trade him open, they'll have less of a dead cap penalty. And I think that was that was very specific, and, and I do. I think he's gone My choice for him, though, is the New Orleans Saints. I think he's going to be playing in New Orleans. His agent released that list of four teams he was willing to go to. I don't think he can convince Sierra to move to Cleveland, unfortunately. Well, Cleveland's in, but
2: from if the goal is to win, then I think Cleveland would. I mean, think about if you drop Russell Wilson, who, you know, at 33 is, is within his prime, bad finger. You know, we, we judge things a little bit uh, harshly um, in the moment without contextualizing. But, you know, Russell Wilson at 33 is still a young guy. He's not probably going to um, break off a lot of 40-yard runs or anything, but he's still a great functional scrambler. Um And, you know, among the best we've ever seen as far as that goes. If you replace Baker Mayfield slash Case Keenum with Russell Wilson, I know people have – Got, I mean, Browns fans have gotten Lucid or Charlie Brown, whichever one it is, uh, you know, many times over the last half century here. But that would be a great spot for him. I also wouldn't be surprised if the team on the other side of the Ohio-Pennsylvania border, the Pittsburgh Steelers were interested with him, Russell Wilson, Mike Tomlin, and some ties to Pittsburgh there. Our nation's capital for Russell Wilson makes sense. I agree with you, though. Also, New York City, talk about where Sierra would like to land from a lifestyle standpoint. I have to assume uh, the capital of the world would be where she would like to be. I agree with you, though, in football terms, that's a great spot. Sean Payton, he's all, you know, Russ, for what it matters, idolizes Drew Brees. And the connection to Payton makes a ton of sense there. Where's Danny Dimes? Let's go to him next. Is he still the Giants quarterback? Because he's good, not great. He's an interesting player for a team like Pittsburgh I would think if they're looking for it. Where, what kind of deal awaits Danny Dimes not a not a big time long term second contract right
0: no, so he's another guy where and we talk about these trends and and so again like the golf went's just the situations have caused a lot of teams to take a pause and kind of step back and and reassess. So, I do think his fifth year option will still be exercised after this year. It's due after your third season. Um, but I mean, look, yes, you can make excuses that the offensive line is atrocious. They obviously just fired Jason Garrett, so not a lot of stability at offensive coordinator, but they spent I mean, Kenny Galladay, he's been hurt a bunch, but you know, the biggest contract given to a wide receiver, use a first round pick on another wide receiver and Kadarius, Tony also been hurt, but nevertheless, at a certain point, the excuses have to run out, right? No one is in a perfect situation and he just cannot stop turning the ball over and and frankly, like shooting them in the foot and and, and losing games for them. So I do think he sticks, but I, I think a new general manager will be in New York, um, Potentially new head coach, although I don't really see Judge going anywhere. I think we'll get one more shot, but after that, I think anything is on the table.
2: And as far as numbers go, the, the, am I right? Uh, here's another uh, myth or reality thing for you to tackle. I think people are, are wrong when they make the blanket statement you cannot use a first round draft pick on a running back. I think if you feel like you're close and that guy is the finishing piece, uh, you know, I, I point people to. Zeke Elliott going to Dallas when he did. He got them fairly close to a Super Bowl. Well, I mean, like I say, relatively close. But you, but it did feel like it made sense with what Zeke was giving that team. You just have to adjust your eye. If you draft a running back in the first round, he's not going to be on your team twelve years from now. You buy him in the draft to give you his rookie contract. The mistake. Is with the exception of possibly tagging a guy and getting another year out of him, it's giving the big second contract. There's very, there very little evidence that, uh, that, um, that that works out for the team that gives the big time second contract.
0: Am I right or wrong? So I would say twofold. So to the first point, you know, uh, it's funny because people I, I, I would respectfully disagree. I don't think you should ever use a first round pick on a running back, but not because of my thoughts on their impact on the football field. My perspective from this contract and salary cap space is the opportunity cost of doing so. So one example I've written about before, when Saquon Barkley got drafted, he was the fifth highest paid running back in the NFL. The following year, Nick Bosa went second overall, same slot. He was the 37th highest paid edge edge rusher. Hmm. So it's when you factor stuff like that into the equation where you're not getting any savings, you're already paying top of market for the guy. Um, I think that comes into play. But I also agree second-fold. You know, people point to the Sonny Michelle draft pick where the the, the Patriots had two first-round picks. They're coming off a Super Bowl, and he was. He was excellent in that playoff run. They were willing to move on. They got a nice fourth-round pick in that trade with the Rams. So... You can approach it that way, but it's just tough because there's also kind of the sunk cost or, you know, if you have a good guy, like if Najee Harris plays 500 snaps the next three years, how do you not extend that guy? How do you go to your fan base and say, we've been promoting him on the field, off the field? He's like the coolest guy ever. Every every time I see him get interviewed, I stop and watch it because I I love him as a person. How do you not double down and make that investment, even though, like you said, it almost never works out? Uh, Believe me, I I, I get it that it's nihilistic on that guy's
2: behalf, on the running backs. Like, hey, man, that's just the nature of uh, 21st century football. You're going to be worn out. We're going to run you into the ground. And there is something to be said for. You know, maybe maybe not the most human thing in the world, but Mike Tomlin does seem to identify like, yeah, that guy's not going to uh, an NFL running back ain't go uh, Frank Gore and Adrian Peterson, notwithstanding, you know, their shelf life, their value is probably about five years. And then it's diminishing returns after that. Um, Saquon Barkley. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't debate. I, you know, I've been right on that one. The Giants were sufficiently far away from Super Bowl contention that taking Saquon Barkley where they did made no sense. I think if you can, in your brain, if you're the GM of a team, if you can justify, we're kind of close. If you just give us this guy at running back, that could push us over the top to a division title or, or, or otherwise. I, I can see the argument there. So, Russell Wilson to New Orleans. Danny Dimes... Probably not long for the Giants, probably not the answer there for the next decade. Let's go with Aaron Rodgers next. A big name, obviously. Even if they win the Super Bowl, do you think that he's gone from Green Bay? I've been assured by a few people now that no matter what happens, he is moving on. And that leads me to Denver. Although the weird Pittsburgh noise, that doesn't really make sense to me. Um, Seattle makes a little more sense except for the state of the offensive line. How say you?
0: Yeah, you know, I think the Denver Broncos still stick out as the best option. I I mean, you watched last night. uh, They have a talented offensive line, a bunch of talented receivers. Javante Williams looks awesome now. And and Teddy Bridgewater just couldn't really get them the ball in space to to produce and and make big plays. And I think if you look at it from Rodgers' standpoint, we're maybe getting this later, but I think they are the best positioned team in the NFL Going into this offseason to add more talent, they get a second and third round pick from the Rams for Von Miller, which was just a a slam dunk trade for them. Um, And I think there's a connection there, too. General manager George Payton was with the Minnesota Vikings for forever, you know, pretty much the entire time Rodgers was in Green Bay. So there's that. There's also the precedent with Peyton Manning. You know, Denver's already done this. So... I think he lands there. It sounds like his uh, his fiance wants to be there as well. Um, I think if they win a Super Bowl, it'd be kind of hard to, for him to leave. But I, I obviously, you know, I trust you there. Outside of a Super Bowl, I think it's a foregone conclusion he's playing elsewhere. And that's not just my Bears fanhood speaking. As much as I hope he's gone, I you know what I I
2: refuse to believe people who maybe are more plugged in with the right uh, with the right voices, whether it's uh, Shalene Woodley's rep or otherwise. I just don't believe he's actually going to leave Green Bay if he's lifting the Lombardi Trophy. I mean, is he he wants to stick it to the front office that badly? Like, see, this is what I did, and then he's going to drop the trophy and walk over to Denver. It is a juicy spot from a football standpoint, except that then he's in the division with Herbert and Mahomes, and you know that then it's interesting staying in that division. Derek Carr, underappreciated. I know there have been some some ups and downs, but I think largely he's played pretty well this season in in a really rugged spot for a human being, given what what the franchise has been through. Is Derek Carr still in Vegas in 2022? Because he's a, a viable option for any QB needy team, whether it's the Giants, the Browns. I don't know if you get excited if you're a Browns fan about replacing Baker Mayfield with Derek Carr. I think it would be an upgrade. Maybe I can't imagine Derek going to following in the footsteps of his older brother, David, and going to Houston. Um, How say you on uh, on number four there?
0: Yeah, you know, I think teams, probably more than we realize, made a lot of calls to Las Vegas this past offseason. Because he's kind of in a position, again, where the fact he did not get extended this past offseason is kind of a signal. Kind of suggests, okay, like, are you not set on Derek Carr do you not think he's good enough to be a franchise quarterback to lead you to the promised land i mean i would argue that yes he's one of he's an example where if he's making 40 million per year which he might be after this season it will get tough and it's going to be hard to fill out the roster especially when you're you're cutting first round picks you know a year after you take them left and right but i think las vegas has no choice i think they're going to give him a massive contract mm. maybe in the range of you know 5 years 200 million something like that I just think he he's provided so much stability. He, you know, they're, they're trying to make this transition, this new city, this new stadium, all of that. I think he's earned it, and I think he's going to get it.
2: I think that's right. You know, I, and not to be Pollyanna about it or whatever, but as they, you know, this is year, this will be year three for them. Uh, what are you sinking your teeth into? If you're a Raiders fan, for what that matters, it does. Uh, he is the franchise now, as Gruden is long gone and all the mess of, you know, the 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 uh, ugly stuff that's gone on. He's been the through line for you. I think you kind of owe it to him and to the to the Raiders fan base to to have him stick around a little bit. So, all right, couple more um and then we'll we'll get to um who is the starting quarterback for the pittsburgh steelers but I, and maybe it's one of these names uh upcoming here matt ryan is he gonna hang it up i can't see him back in atlanta next year where is he playing
0: so uh, contractually he kind of has no choice or i guess the falcons have no choice so Um, Is that right? See,
2: this is what I misread. I thought that this is the season that they have to get out from under him. Otherwise, it gets much more heavy financially for them if they retain him through 2022. Now, I guess I misread that then.
0: Yeah, so they went ahead and restructured his contract this past offseason. Again, kind of they had no choice. They spent zero money in free agency. I mean, they were in an awful cap situation. And by pushing his money down the road, if they traded him this upcoming offseason, they would still owe him $40.5 million on their salary cap without him being on the roster. It would break Carson Wentz's record that he you know he set this past offseason by a decent amount of money. I think when you make that restructure decision, you're saying, all right, he is our guy for 2021 and 2022, Hmm. and then we're going to figure it out and go from there. Um, You know, I'll tell you, I think that the Atlanta Falcons really, really hoped that Trey Lance would have fallen number four or they could have done something differently. But I think now they're just going to have to eat it one more time, have a farewell tour for Matt Ryan next year, and then figure it out in 2023. A a farewell tour. Listen,
2: I I know I'm biased. But in an age where Derek Jeter gets a season-long farewell and Coach K gets the same, they that the noise isn't just national. That Ben Roethlisberger, people are throwing dirt in his face. They're not he's not in the grave yet, and and Ryan Clark on down are throwing dirt at him on his way out the door. I got, I really am. He's a stranger to me and everything else. I know Ben Roth. I don't know him. I I know a lot of people don't like him, but I'm happy for him. I'm talking about rising to the occasion when everybody's against you. I I, I thought that uh, there was was something noble in his performance against the arch rival. Um, Call me crazy with that. Who do you suppose it does seem pretty clear that that's it for Roethlisberger at the end of this season? Who is their starting quarterback in 2022? Or is it a combo of Mason Rudolph with a the kid they draft? Or do you think re- realistically, given their cap situation, that there is a big name free agent or a middle class quarterback who kind of bridges the gap into a new era with a you know a first round pedigree QB?
0: Yeah, the, their situation is super interesting. I mean, I know the story came out that there's kind of this the rumor that he is going to be done. You know, I know this name terrified you. Uh, You know, I mentioned like going the cheap route and trying to go with a Marcus Mariota or maybe even a Mitchell Trubisky. I don't hate that. I don't hate that. I don't hate (laughs) the Mariota idea. Yeah. And I I think it's it's worth exploring. I think another kind of trend we're seeing with quarterbacks, like if Ryan Fitzpatrick this past offseason is instead of kind of going crazy and forcing the issue and, and trying to trade for someone who's kind of mid tier, just going with that simple, you know, one year deal. Mariota, you probably get for one year, you know, $10 million, just like Fitzpatrick, um, and just see what you have and try to figure some things out. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I know that, like you said, the draft, we never know the draft. We never know which quarterbacks actually to become good. As much as we pretend we do, we don't know. So, you know, they could be picking in the in the middle of the, of the first round and Mac Jones fell to 15. So there could probably be a guy there as well. Um, it's going to be interesting, though. I do think. Because of the stability of a Mike Tomlin and because the Pittsburgh Steelers are a phenomenally run franchise, they will definitely be in the mix for the Rodgerses and whatnot of the world. I mean, look, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool is your two top options. Pat Frymuth looks awesome already. Najee Harris takes some, take some pressure off you in the run game. And, and Mike Tomlin in the defense, and they looked awesome last night. So I think they're going to explore every single option. Fascinating. I just I, I, I refuse to buy the Chalene Woodley.
2: And Aaron Rodgers, who has expressed interest, at least in being a game show host in Southern California and all that, that Pittsburgh makes any sense, I guess, from a football standpoint. And from a football standpoint, talk about fascinating. The the most kind of where we started out here, Lamar Jackson, he throws a terrible interception in the end zone when the Ravens really given the way the Steelers offense was playing in the first half. Kind of, you know, you get another three points at minimum there. Instead, he throws a, a just a crummy interception to Minka Fitzpatrick. And the other thing that is obscured by the last-minute furious drive down the field, he misses Mark Andrews, not on the two-point conversion, but he misses him wide open in the end zone on the play before he throws a laser, a dynamite ball, which is what has to be vexing for John Harbaugh and company is that the guy can make back-to-back throws like that miss wildly on a wide open Andrews and then thread the needle to Sammy Watkins but before any of that the thing that people have kind of forgotten about is he fumbled the ball on that drive and it rolled out of bounds this is I people obsess about you know, guys like Sam Darnold, uh, he's a—he's always going to be a pick machine. And Danny Dimes always turns the ball over. And I understand Lamar Jackson is vastly superior to uh, to either of those guys. And Chris Collinsworth made what I thought was a compelling point about Lamar Jackson on Sunday Night Football a couple weeks ago. Like, if he throws four picks, you just got to keep letting him take his swings. He's that kind of a guy. But I don't think that's, that's a winning approach in the NFL. How say you? I mean, like... They have to sign Lamar Jackson, there's no doubt. But I think if you hook them up to a lie detector, Eric DaCosta and John Harbaugh understand the limitations of what this gets you. You're always going to be in the mix. You're always going to be exciting. People are always going to want to watch you. You're going to win more often than you lose over the course of 17 regular season games. But you're probably never going to win a Super
0: Bowl. How say you? That's the interesting thing. And this could be an entire you know podcast or conversation in itself. But as you mentioned, You're going to be making a ton of money. You may not win in the playoffs. You'll probably be in the playoffs a lot. And you're one of the most exciting and and biggest draws in the NFL week in and week out. But, yeah, I mean, the Megan Fitzpatrick interception after four last week, just a total unforced error. Like you said, I mean, you're guaranteed at least three points down there, which, you know, could have decided the game. It was just I don't know why he's pressing right now so much because there just doesn't seem to be a reason. Right. I mean, you're in the game. You're not down. Very, very strange. I mean, also winning with four interceptions against Cleveland, maybe he felt like he could keep pushing his luck. But I agree with you on the, on the Collinsworth quote. I, I wouldn't push him to have the green light and, and keep chucking it. I, I don't see how that's a winning strategy at all. It's going to be interesting, but I think Baltimore will tell themselves their injury list is one of the longest in the NFL. One of the longest, you know, in the last several years. Obviously, they have another left tackle. In Ronnie Stanley the entire season, your old pal Alejandro Villanueva has been okay. Patrick McCarry on the right side, young guy, used to playing guard. I mean, they're totally patchwork at a lot of spots. So I think they would convince themselves, like, he's doing this in a very poor situation. Maybe he'll get better. But, yeah, not the progression you were hoping to see for sure. And real quick, I think, too, there's, you notice when you're slightly off target on a lot of throws, it limits yards after the catch. And there was a bunch of that. The last two weeks I've noticed mm-hmm. that, where the catch is still made, but... Him being slightly off, probably lost them five, six yards. I think I noticed that 15 times the last two weeks. They're always going to be. And I
2: talked to somebody three years ago when they understood this, when Lamar Jackson emerged, and I forecasted uh, repeatedly for the better part of a year. I said, you watch what's going to happen here. The Ravens and Lamar Jackson are going to jump the NFL in 2019. That He is going to dominate, and they are, no one's going to know what to do with him. And so it went, and they went 14-2. and two. And it's not that they catch up with him. That it, I I don't want to uh, marginalize it as some sort of a parlor trick, because he's you know he I, I have no doubt that he gives whoever fits you know d- bouncing around and you have him and then you don't. But there is something too if you don't let him break contain that you know the 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 balls he's thrown in year four. I, I don't know that that's ever going to correct itself and you're always going to be dependent on hitting in the draft on receiver and Rashad Bateman looks like a hit, but I don't know who's going there to play in that offense. If you're a pass catcher, it's just, it, 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 it it's something to watch because I think they're going to keep him. There's no doubt they they you have to keep him, but I think it does put a ceiling on how far you go. Um, Man, I could go on and on with you about this. And one more thing on on uh, on Brad's, you can find it now at PFF.com is uh, the top 25 free agents. And lo and behold, Devontae Adams is number one on that list. It feels unlikely that the Packers are going to be able to keep him and pay Rodgers, right? Am I wrong about that? And that is maybe what pushes Rodgers out the door ultimately, is that they can't keep Rodgers and his favorite and pretty much only great um pass catching target right
0: it makes things really complicated they're they're probably in one of the worst spots in the nfl going into this off season, um especially once rogers kind of forced the issue and made them do things like trade for randall cobb and, and things of that nature they can, you know, you always can kind of finesse the money, but you got to think too, Zadarius Smith is on the way out potentially. Um, I know he hasn't played all year and the defense has been good, but they have a lot of talent. They have to you know figure some things out with Preston Smith, also a pending free agent, got to pay Jair Alexander. Again, a guy who's been out for most of the year, but mm-hmm. but should be one of the higher paid cornerbacks. So it would be very tough. I do think Devontae Adams extension gets done potentially before the season ends and maybe that, kind of changes the narrative and and changes how things look going forward. But it could be what ultimately they they decide, look, we traded up in the first round for Jordan Love. Our salary cap is a nightmare. We can't then pay, basically make the highest paid wide receiver and highest paid quarterback in football and still try to do this again, go back to another NFC championship game. It's going to be very tough. You know what I think my, my longstanding hypothesis has been is that Aaron Rodgers
2: knew. And Guttenkunst knew that Rodgers knew that Jordan Love was not a suitable replacement for him. And he knew he had that leverage over them. And I think that's that chain of events that on draft day that the Broncos didn't take Justin Fields or Mac Jones because they thought they were getting Rodgers. But Aaron Rodgers knew I think he thought that he was going to be able to force a trade, but he also knew I get what I want in green Bay because you can't roll with Jordan love. I'm almost surprised they didn't trade Jordan love that. That was how you settled all the hash right there. It was like, okay, we traded the kid. All right. We acknowledge our mistake. Will you be our quarterback for the next five years, please? Number 12. Um, one more for you. I'm sorry to, to, to go back here. Um, Kirk Cousins, because when you talk about the NFC North, if Rodgers is off the Packers, boy, that entire division maybe swings in favor of your team if Justin Fields, with a, presumably a new head coach and otherwise in his sophomore year, maybe they're positioned to, to take over control of that division. But where's Kirk Cousins in 2022?
0: He was actually the one I was saving for your Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh. You know, I, I, I think he makes a lot of sense there. I mean, especially. In Matt Canada's offense, like I said, they, they love stressing you know, horizontally, and, and that's kind of what Kirk Cousins already does with a lot of that play action, a lot of those boot plays. He'd have immediately a bunch of great weapons where he's a guy, you know, kind of counter example, does not have the flash and all that of Lamar Jackson, but is an accurate quarterback who will get the ball to playmakers in space and let them do all the dirty work and get all the yards, and all the production. I think he could be a really good fit in
2: Pittsburgh. Dude, a lot of people want to see uh, Kirk uh, Kirk Cousins is that uh, he throws picks, but dude, people want Kenny Pickett. Dude, Roethlisberger's gonna go, but then we're gonna we're gonna get Kenny Pickett, dude. And that dude, will, like, I feel it would be cool if that happened from a Pittsburgh standpoint. I would feel bad for the kid because everybody on the banks of the three rivers would expect him to um to to purge all the Marino ghosts, like. Steelers, dude, I always said it, dude. The Steelers should have taken Danny Marino when he was sitting there. And so Kenny Pickett would have to make right that bad pick for you. Uh, Way too much pressure on a guy who I'm not sure is going to dominate the NFL. One last question for you, though, because I feel like I have and we have universally the Arizona Cardinals as right now the number one seed and the only team in pro football with two losses. They have got to be the most ignored team. I'm not talking, people love disrespected. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we just don't talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Let's fix that very quickly. Is this sustainable? If they wind up with the number one seed, can they really get to the Super Bowl? Because playing two games, especially at home, versus having three games is a way easier path. I think easier on the AFC side. Um, do,
0: Do you buy the Cardinals 13 weeks in? I think, as you mentioned, the buy and home field would be huge for them because – Going to Green Bay? No, I'm not buying that. But hosting teams in high-altitude Arizona. Also, J.J. Watt has been kind of subtly hinting at a return for a couple mm. weeks now on his social media. So you bring him back into the fold, that defensive line, really that the whole front seven is as good as it gets in football. Yeah, I, I am a buyer now. I was kind of waiting for the longest time. But you also, look they have some quality wins as well. I mean, go into L.A., destroy the Rams. They've had some really good wins. Yeah, the Packers' loss was tough on Thursday. Um, you know, that's kind of booing the Packers right now in a big way, but no, I, I am buying and talk about a guy who's about to be a, a very rich human being in Kyler Murray. It really is
2: remarkable stuff that, I mean, in, in a conference with Rodgers and all the storylines he's taken good and bad this year and Tom Brady doing it again and the the shiny Rams with the keep adding pieces and what that Team's going to be in two years. I, I I can't imagine. That's a conversation for another time. But there sits number one, Kyler Murray, and somehow with Colt McCoy. I mean, the the deficit of that team was supposed to be the head coach, but he coached Colt McCoy to victories against pro football teams. So I'm not sure that he's the liability that everybody figured he was going into this thing. Oh, we could go on and on. Here's the Cliff Notes. The Cliff's Notes answer to all the questions you may have for Brad. Make sure you're going to uh, track all his great work on PFF. Start out with the PFF.com. Top 25 free agents. Start there. Go to overthecap.com. All the issues of why this, why the date, why doesn't this guy, why don't the stellars go after that guy? Hey, what about the, just go there and that will clarify some of the decision making that that your favorite team's general manager makes. It's because of the cap, everybody. Um, Great stuff, Brad. Really appreciate all the time, man. And uh, let's do it again sooner rather than later. Maybe right on the
0: dawn of free agency. How say you? Sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's, my, uh, that's my season, so I'm looking forward to it. At PFF underscore
2: Brad. The underscore is very tricky, don't you see? Like, people have to struggle with that, but you must track him down for all your, uh, for all your football needs. Great stuff, pal. Uh, we'll talk again soon. There he goes, everybody, Brad Spielberger. All right, Eddie Spaghetti, there goes Spielberger. What do you think?
1: He was great and taught us a lot. Like I said, I'm not a math guy either, but uh, we learned a lot here and he kind of mapped out where we could, some of these quarterbacks can go. And, you know, Russell Wilson came up, the Giants came up, Daniel Jones came up. And as much as I like my guy, Danny Dimes, and, and a quick side note, I'm going to the game there versus the, the Chargers, uh, your Chargers uh, at SoFi, my first trip there. And I've never been less interested in the actual football matchup because I have Jake Fromm. Starting for the Giants after Daniel Jones is out with a neck injury, uh, Mike Lennon hurt with a concussion, I believe. So Jake Fromm is starting, and I was getting like sad about that, but then I thought I've actually seen Jake Fromm at Georgia have better passing games than I've seen Daniel Jones have in his entire career. So uh, maybe it won't be so bad. But uh, I'm you know the Giants aren't going to change their upper you know tier organizational roles with scouting and whatnot. Uh, trade the two picks and get. Russell Wilson for a stretch because you have, you sign all these guys to bigger contracts. You're going to keep Saquon for whatever reason you have him there. Like just use the rest of the picks on uh, building offensive line. The giants really have the cap space to sign like someone like Teron Armstead or whoever, but uh, look, they, they drafted a, like a C plus B minus rate and I, I don't trust him to pick the right guys with their two picks, so go get Russ.
2: I think that's the answer. You know, it makes sense. Brad's point is well taken, and I'm with him ultimately about the Saints as situations present themselves right now. But the thing that can change is you broom Gettleman and you shake things up and maybe you attract Russell to the Giants by, you know, whether he handpicks the OC or maybe I don't know if judge moves or whatever that's what makes it maybe more appealing for Russ at this stage of his career is that's how you can um add to the luster that the Giants present but by the way as we say it makes some rudimentary sense that Sierra who is a star by her own right would love to live in Manhattan so that gives him probably a little edge there either way you're going to SoFi. That's why I did. I took the boy. I took Jean-Claude Van Damme Check out there a couple weeks ago. I told him, this is your last chance to, to see a guy who's going to be in 25 years from now. You'll still hear about Ben Roethlisberger if you're a Steelers fan. I'm glad we went out to see him. He almost got it done that day. He did get it done against the Ravens. That's fun. That's why we watch sports. I get negativity and I get snark. It's a lot of fun. But it's the journey, everybody, not the destination. Tom Brady's going to win the Super Bowl anyway. Enjoy it week to week. One more week to look forward to football. Eddie Spaghetti gets to look forward to seeing his hometown, Big Blue. I look forward to seeing the Steelers on Thursday night. And we will talk to you on Thursday with our pal Kevin Hench and break down the upcoming weekend of not just pro football, but all the sports upcoming for your eyeballs and your heart to enjoy. Until then for brad spielberger great thanks to him eddie spaghetti and everybody at extra points make sure you check out all the shows on the extra points network we'll talk to you in a few days until then thanks so much sports fans it's been a thin slice of heaven